Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? I feel like we need special theme music for these episodes this week and next. That is 100% your responsibility. You are the, what are you, like the producer, I think? Yes. I think I would call you the producer. Writer, producer, editor, (laughs) host, all the things. All, All the things. Everything but the uh, the insightful commentary comes from me. That That's your department. You're the head of the insightful Correct. commentary department. Yes. I'm the like, you can't do this without me, but you basically do all the things. Yes. But that's, I wouldn't want to do like it without that's you, my Amy. Presence. I wouldn't want to do it without you. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's only been seven and a half years I've been doing this. And this is our, I think that means this is our, I think, eighth year in review show. If I did the That's math correctly, crazy. So That's we, and we have fine tuned this thing now. We know exactly what we're doing these days, which is scary because most of the time we don't have a clue what we're doing. I'm really glad you just said that, and now we'll probably have some kind of huge like technical mistake or something. And you mean like me having the wrong microphone set for my entire part of the show, like last week. Right, right. See, you say that we know exactly what we're doing and then something falls apart today. So, (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. Well, Hey, let's jump into it. It's been a year. This has been one of the most interesting years in the SBC that we've had in some time. 2018. I remember 2018 being a big one. Can you remember we had the five uh, entity head openings that year, 2018, 2019. Remember that? And that was like, yeah. wow, look at this. This is crazy. And then 2020 was like, oh, we canceled the annual meeting. Oh, man. 2021 is like, oh, we have all these resignations and what's going on. And and then 2022 is there's stuff there as well. It's it's just every year. It's it's something I would love. I saw a, a TikTok a couple of days ago that was like, I'd like 2023 to just come in, sit down and keep its mouth shut, which I thought I, w- I would like that very much as well. Just sit down, be quiet, sit over in the corner and keep your mouth shut 2023. Yeah, man, it would be it, it would be nice. But it's it has been a very dramatic year. You're yes. right. It's been a lot, lots of things significant, many things that uh, were good, many things that were difficult, some things that were difficult, but needed to happen yeah. like it's just a really hard yeah so it's life is complicated so right. yep so here's the order of the show this week we've got our questions for the year we're going to go and we're going to answer our questions that we had at the beginning of the year and we'll have 2023's questions on next year's episode then we've got the 10 biggest stories of the year we'll cover those just kind of a recap looking back and we'll touch on a lot of those in the questions because the questions often have to do with that and then right. my favorite part of the show Amy's 10 most fascinating Southern Baptist of the year. And I don't know who they are. That's right. I have made suggestions along the way. I bet a couple of the ones that I've suggested have made it because, you know, we sometimes have the same brain, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So we'll, we'll end the show on that. And, uh, that'll be kind of it for 2022, which is crazy. There you go. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Jump into it, Amy. The questions, number one. What will be the outcome of the guidepost investigation of the SBC's executive committee's handling of reports of sexual abuse? Well, this is a, that requires a really long answer. Well, so, and I would um, say that we don't fully know the outcome, right? That's right. That's right. So we asked this question knowing we would have the answer, knowing that it would be a lot. And then I think maybe one of the things that was probably maybe most striking to me was that there were 
there were some pretty significant surprises yeah. in the report, uh, things that I was not aware of. And same, uh, I know for you. And so those are probably the big, uh, the, that, that was probably the big surprise. And I think I knew I would learn some things, yeah. but I just, we it, figured it, we it would know, little... know about, you know, maybe not all the details, but we'd know about 90 to 95% of the stuff probably just because yeah. being in the ecosystem, knowing all this, doing a podcast about the SBC, but we always knew there would be five to 10% that we'd be like, holy smokes, what in the world? And we got that. Yeah, it was it was pretty wild. So, I mean, obviously, we've done several shows on this. So uh, and then then we have some there was lots of coverage at BP about it. So we'll put that. But I would say that the outcome in many respects, there were some things in there that I would I think the word devastating is the right word. And then I also think what we know is that the outcome was the establishing an abuse reform implementation task force who is working right now. So tangible things, I mean, instructions for a ministry check website, uh, as well as different uh, people coming in, you know, into roles to help uh, the resources being developed, things like that. That's a huge outcome is that actual steps were taken by the messengers to say, hey, when we come back next year, we want to see certain things have been addressed. Yeah. And and I think the thing that we've talked about here on the podcast a lot is that the report wasn't the end, but the beginning of our response right. as Southern Baptist to sex abuse in our churches. So that's right. So no surprise. We start there. Amy, there's a second question. Who will be elected to lead the ERLC and EC? Will we see more diversity in first and second chair roles in the SBC? Okay. The ERLC one is easy. We have that answer. Brent Leatherwood, congrats, a good friend of the pod, Brent Leatherwood, president over at the ERLC, named in September. We thought maybe we would get a EC president, but because of the report coming and just waiting for that before they really got started, not really delays. It's just it was the right thing to do just to wait. Yeah, and, they and they going. didn't they didn't open up. We're not they quite didn't open there up yet. for nominations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we're not they quite. They didn't there open yet. up for nominations until Anaheim. Yeah. yeah. So so that means. It's a little delayed. We'll have that next year. So that'll be, uh, I, I bet we'll see that question next week on the podcast. Uh, Maybe. <laughs> but on the diversity side, we have seen our first African-American, at least interim, entity head with Willie McLaurin. That's right. Leading the EC. Uh, we've seen growing diversity, I think, across the board in our other uh, entities. We've seen uh, Chuso, who uh, is at Guidestone. Remember, he's taking over the COO spot for John Jones, That's right. who's retiring at Guidestone. Uh, Lifeway has a new African-American female uh, CMO uh, over at Lifeway. It's probably one of the most diverse C-suites, if you will, in the SBC. Yeah. So uh, I, we're, we're making progress there, which I, I think is a good thing for us to see. Yeah. So when we talk first and second chair yeah. roles, we are seeing uh, some yeah. more diversity. Well, and, and, and we also had, Amy, we had two state execs this year in Maryland, Delaware, and the BGAV, both African-American right leaders uh, elected to those positions to lead their state conventions respectively. And, you know, in the presidential side and other things across the, the convention, the, the elected positions, we've seen a growing diversity there. So I, I think we're making progress there. Yeah. Pete Ramirez so. in, uh, in California. I forgot about him. A new state exec out there, Hispanic American in uh, California. So, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, uh, we're taking steps. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good to see. All right. Question number three, a perennial question. Will we top 10,000 messengers Anaheim? Amy? No, we, we didn't. didn't. 
I think we knew that we that what the answer would be. Yeah, but, that was that was always a stretch goal. Right, right. I will say it was higher than our conventions out west have been. Oh yeah. So that was pretty significant. Yeah, twelve thousand five hundred and forty-three total attendees, which is a lot. Eighty-one hundred and thirty-three right. messengers, and the largest convention since nineteen ninety-eight out west. So, hey, I mean, yeah, I'll take it's it. something. It's some. We got close to ten thousand. Yeah, we weren't at we five. Just didn't like in Phoenix in twenty seventeen. That's right. We're getting there. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question: Will the upward trends in giving continue for? Cooperative program, Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And they did. So, I mean, you're going to hear this later in the the large, you know, the biggest stories of the year. But first time since 2008, we topped 200 million in CP giving at 200.4 million dollars. Lottie was up to a record all time high at 203.7 million, and then Annie Armstrong Easter offering also hit an all time high at 68.9 million dollars. So, yeah. The upward giving trends did continue. They did continue. Yes. So that was exciting to see. So number five, will Southern Baptists become too affinity based at the risk of sacrificing cooperation across the convention? That's quite a question. I had forgotten that we asked that. (laughs) I forgot we Um, asked half of these questions. So yeah, yeah. And now I get to be the one on the hot seat to answer this. I would say no. Yeah. I, I would say that is correct. I would say no, although I would say that is a question to continue yeah. monitoring. I think the potential for the answer to be yes was higher at the beginning of the year than it is at the be- at the end of the year. I agree. I agree. Yep. I think I still think it's something we've got to stay mm-hmm. connect, you know, stay looking at and considering. Um and we have to ask the question, you know, we're we are a large group of churches that choose to cooperate with one another for the purpose of the Great Commission. And so what does it look like? We are going to have differences. We are going to have affinities that, you know, we gravitate in kind of sub groups as far as spending time together or certain things that we do together, but we do have a larger cooperative effort. And so I think keeping that in view is good, but I would agree with you. I don't I think it is probably not quite as uh, pressing of a question as I felt in January. Yes, So, absolutely. All right, here's another one. You get this one. How will social media continue to affect our cooperation? All right, number one, we need to not ask how questions and just ask will so we can go yes or no. So that's a note for next year. As I try to answer how will social media affect this? It will affect this negatively. That's how. uh, Because that just seems like it. But I will say this. All right. So yeah, in every ecosystem online, uh, whether you're, you know, it's the SBC or you're, you know, you're like an NBA fan and you're just big into the NBA online Twitter scene, whatever it may be. I don't even know if there's, I'm sure there's an NBA online Twitter scene because the owner of the 76ers got popped for having a, a burner account. But that's another story. There's going to be a growing hostility of loud voices in that ecosystem. And just like every other one, we have to deal with that in ours. Some helpful, some not as helpful. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where you're in control of your tweets. And I would encourage people to, to, to be godly and to be Christ-like in their online encounters. And, you know, some people do that better than others. Just leave it at that. And uh, But I will say... 
on the positive side. We've seen a different type of interaction online from President Bart Barber than we've seen from any other SBC president in recent history, and, and probably ever. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's just been, it's, it's been different. It's, it's been interesting to see those videos. Yeah, the videos are, are definitely different. We've had, obviously, presidents who have done video messages, especially in the last few years, and production being, you know, what, what it is, it's easy to do that. But the iPhone videos that are kind of out on the farm, that is a different thing. We've never, never really seen that before. I'm grateful that the ones uh, where he was driving that were really common toward the beginning, that they're not as much anymore, that that kind of hit the anxiety level of a lot of people. But, but that's, a, that's a different way of communicating. I can tell you, my social media habits have really changed. I still watch conversations online and I take breaks a lot because I just need to, but I have significantly lowered my own engagement. I don't tweet much anymore. I don't post much. Uh, I'll occasionally post on Instagram and I'll occasionally uh, interact a little bit on Twitter, but I just sort of decided where things got that I was not enjoying it and that I could make the choice uh, to not get in the mix and other people can do it and that's fine. But I decided I have a space that uh, some of the conversations we're having in Southern Baptist life, I have a space where I can talk about that and that's here. And so I just sort of decided to, to take a little bit of a break. And I think a lot of people are doing that too. So it's very, yeah. very interesting to see how this all, how, how it all plays out and continues to do yeah, and, that. And kind of tying into the last question, I think our greatest risk of lack of cooperation comes at the hands of social media. Yeah, I'll tell you, some, one thing I have noticed is that we will regularly say, lots of people, leaders, people who are participating, will regularly say, kind of reassuring ourselves that that the amount of... Southern Baptists on Twitter is actually a very small percentage that most Southern Baptists don't aren't engaged in that and don't know what's going on. And yet we will see significant decisions made in response to dust ups that happen yeah, on Twitter because of a few so, loud voices instead of like a mass, like a real. Right. You know, so, so thing. we, so we acknowledge that, that that is not that that's a small number and honestly the only metric that we have for uh for the only certain metric we have for where southern baptists stand on something is what they do when they gather so what what happens in those two days we have some other things that can help sometimes lifeway research does studies on southern baptist you know that, that maybe are specific to southern baptist or they'll do a study on protestants and they'll break it down and that may give us a barometer through a, a you know a survey that you know the methodology is kind of right uh, set a little specifically, but social media, we, it, it actually will create, will affect things that we're doing because of the kind of crisis that it can stir yeah. up. And uh, that's a, a phenomenon that's, yeah, that's a phenomenon that I am always watching. And I think that is concerning yeah. for our cooperation. I think so it should be very, called Tempest in a Tweet Pot. Okay. See what I did there? That's cute. All right. That's cute. Okay. All right, Amy, next question. We turn our attention to global issues. As global tensions mount with Russia, uh, with Ukraine, and China and the Uyghurs, what will be the impact of Southern Baptist missions efforts globally if political destabilization continues? Well, we got that answer kind of in March. 
Yeah, right. Because when the invasion happened this year, obviously we saw yeah. uh, that destabilization continued. Here's the interesting thing. I would say particularly Russia and Ukraine. I mean, Southern Baptist missions efforts really went to. They ramped up. Went to what's happening. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had disaster relief workers like just rotating in and out. Now, it looks different because where our presence there was more on the ground and there, this has been like teams going and doing relief work, being in you know nearby countries, helping people, refugees from Ukraine, things like that. Um, tremendous work there. And then uh, I, I would say there there is political destabilization in lots of places, more than what we just mentioned here. And so I think it certainly has an impact, some that we don't know, some that we know maybe, but aren't really at liberty to talk about, yeah. depending on, uh, you know, people that we know or, or whatever. So I would, I would say this, what happens globally does affect the work, but I've been amazed to see the ways in which the work continues. Yes, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yep. Incredible. All right. Here's one. How will the Supreme Court rule on Dobbs versus Jackson women's health? And will that impact the legality of abortion in the United States? So the illegality of abortion in America, Amy, uh, that one's done. So Roe got tossed because of the ruling in the Dobbs case. and Well, but what, what that... What that it, did, it, it, what he did it, is like pushed it down to the states. Pushed it down to yeah. The so states. there's no federal so protection depends, for that anymore. Right. It depends on what state you are in. That's a serious conversation for us to have in terms of how we handle that. We have people who are in states where there are significant restrictions on abortion. We have others who are in states where there are very few restrictions on abortion. I, I'm one of those people. And then we turn around and see what that means is there are people coming from other states yeah. into ours abortion tourism and so which those two words strangely strangely put together yeah well i mean i've seen uh i've seen it play out more in uh, i was traveling the other day and was close to the state line and saw a billboard that was mm. basically trying to reach out to people who might be looking for that you know to say come here so uh come here for help uh, basically and but it was for abortion mm. and so the, the way this has impacted the crisis pregnancy centers in those states, that's a, a, a big shift. And um, churches in a lot of those states as well, uh, many churches here have been, including my own, have been doing a number of things to help women and families in crisis, to help, um, to help with crisis pregnancy centers, to just uh, do more to be there that when we say we want this to end then we also want to be present uh for uh for the situations that people are in and so a lot of churches are really stepping up in those spaces but this is an ongoing conversation obviously there are debates in state legislatures there are debates in congress over this this conversation is not over and even within our own convention we are having a pretty significant, we talked about this with the state conventions. We're having a pretty significant discussion about our traditional pro-life position, specifically as it relates to the women that are in, in, involved in this. And uh, I think there, there are a number of people who land in 
So every time we debate resolutions, that comes up. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and so that Supreme Court ruling definitely contributed to that. Real quick, going back to something we talked about earlier on the sex abuse side, I think the same thing applies here. The The ending of Roe v. Wade earlier this year wasn't the end of abortion. It was only the beginning of that next step of what ministry looks like in that life space. So uh, the opportunities have never been greater, I don't think, than they are now. And churches, like you said, I mean, the the opportunities for churches to make a difference in the space, uh, you know, to fight for life and and help women uh, that find themselves in these predicaments, never been greater. The, the opportunities are just endless now. So uh, that, that has changed the way we talk about it and what we do and how we respond. And uh, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. All right. Amy, how will the mass influx of new members to the EC, which has been around 50 in two years, affect the entity and the convention? Um, well, I'll say this. The meeting in September, which was my first one to attend in a, in a couple of years or in a year and a half, I guess, it was very different. Yes. Well, and, and the entirely different group of officers... Uh, entirely right. and and from them a different posture toward the rest of the convention from the EC so it's uh it's it is quite different like you said it was just what what I experienced is it it was kind of boring so that's what I mean I think that's what they were going for sort of, and it's not that they're not wanting to do anything yeah. it's just like hey we need to get this back to what the EC is called to do and be and right that's been an emphasis from Jared Wellman who's the new chairman uh, as he's led the board is just get back to the basics on things and yeah. uh you know try to bring some some calm and some re, you know restore some kind of peace and trust across the convention and and the new members yeah. have taken to that so right so it 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 has been very very different a little calmer so uh all right i get the fun one for you oh what will be the surprise story of 2022 all right amy i, I this is this feels like a we, we don't need to ask this question anymore <laughs> because I think it's a tough question to answer whenever it's a difficult answer. So I think it's, it's three things. I think number one, uh, the surprise, I did not expect 200 million in CP giving, I, you know, all three offerings, so to speak, CP, Lottie and Annie, all being right. records, like high points that we haven't seen in a generation. All right. So that was, that was surprising to me, a good surprise. Now on the, the other surprises, two other things I think are very surprising this year that we didn't see when we started 2022. Number one, Johnny Hunt and what was mentioned about him and the accusations against him and the guidepost report. I, I right. think everybody would agree that was like, well, didn't have that on my 2022 bingo card. The second thing was right. uh, the leadership change at Southwestern. Didn't expect that either. Right. So Correct. That was those, not anticipated. Those two things, I think, you know, plus the the giving totals that we saw, th those are the three things that I did not see coming into the year that I think are the most significant right. surprises that we saw in 2022. I would agree. Yeah. So I would agree. All right. So. Well, that's our questions and answers for 2022. Wasn't too painful. Okay. So no, that leads us All right, to our so top now 10 stories, which we've talked about a lot of these in the questions because that's just how this right, happens a right. lot of times. But We'll run down right. these real quick, Amy. I'll, I'll do the first five. You can do the next five. And we'll start at the bottom. All right. We'll start at the bottom. So that's uh, something we haven't talked about. The 2023 meeting was moved to New Orleans. So remember back in the spring, we moved from Charlotte to New Orleans because again, right. as we talked about with Anaheim, our meetings have gotten way bigger 
that we thought they were going to be five and six years ago when we made these plans. And now we're headed to New Orleans in 2023. Yeah. So that was a big one. And uh, I I have to tell you, once we ca- once everybody kind of got past the surprise of that, folks have gotten on board with it pretty well. I, yeah. I have to say, anytime you say we're going to New Orleans, I think I think the food is the big th- yeah. thing that everyone's like, like, well, twist my arm. They're like, oh, that's a big change, but it's New Orleans. Okay. Yes. Pop out the shrimp. So, yeah. yeah. Bring me all yeah. the shrimps but, and crawfish. Uh, yeah. Right. But that was a big deal. It's yeah. a big deal. Changing locations. Big, so. big story. All right. Keep right, going. Number nine is Southern Baptist response in disaster relief. Hurricane Ian was a massive storm that devastated Florida. Right. And Southern Baptist rolled in there and served like three quarters of a million meals. Had all kind of stuff going on. And that's just the the big you know, kind of the big one of the year. There were several, uh, we're going to talk a little bit later, I think, about some disaster relief cleanup in Kentucky. They had flooding in Kentucky, the tornadoes. We, we, Southern Baptist and disaster relief, and that, that doesn't even include like touching on sin relief and the humanitarian effort going on in Ukraine and across the world. It's one of the best things we do. And it's it's a huge thing. And it's hard not to have a year. Unfortunately, this is a bad thing. We We don't have a year without disasters. Uh, so every year, there's right. a big Southern Baptist disaster response. Like, again, we would love 2023 to be the lowest year ever for disaster relief because that means disasters didn't happen. But they do. Right. But when they do, Southern Baptists are there to respond. Yeah. So so that's number nine. Number eight, we mentioned this earlier. Willie McLaurin named the interim president at the EC. Yeah, that was a big story. Yeah. And a, and a big milestone, big deal. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of ties into one of our earlier questions for the year. Uh, but that was a, a number eight story of the year. Number seven, we talked about this, the SBC annual meeting in 2022, the results from there, the largest convention out West, the the passage of the Sex Abuse Task Force recommendations, the establishment of the ARITF, as we mentioned earlier, and something we haven't really talked about on here today, some of the resolutions that were passed, one being related to the Native American boarding schools uh, that Mike Keybone, we talked a lot about that on here, and we may right. hear more about that later in the episode. I don't know, but I'm guessing. Uh, number two, we we had the one on some legislation reform, a la the bill in Texas that Bart Barber helped with a few years ago, uh, making it better for churches or easier for churches to to tell why people had been let go. Uh, also, a resolution on lament for sex abuse and an apology uh, to those uh, who've been involved in that, and then uh, you know one on Roe v. Wade, and because this was like the week before, two weeks before it it got taken down, and. You know, we had a, a big resolution on that. So establishing Southern Baptist, you know, That's continued right. position uh, against abortion. Big annual meeting. Yeah, really big. And great weather, by the way. So we got to get back to Southern California. So, all right, number six, Southern Baptist historic generosity, $200.4 million in the cooperative program, $203.7 million to Lottie Moon, and $68.9 million to Annie Armstrong. We've talked about that at length already. But again, major, major story in the SBC. All right. Top five, Amy. All right. So leadership changes in the SBC. So obviously we've talked about a few of these. Um, I mean, one, you, you already kind of a a specific one and the interim president at the EC, but then also Brent Leatherwood at the ERLC that we're now in the middle of a leadership change at Southwestern seminary. Other things, you know, we're obviously we have state execs everywhere that are changing. I would say a big, I mean, Bart Barber was a big story, him becoming yeah. the SBC president. That was a big story this year. So, uh, and Dr. Dilbeck taking over at Guidestone. Yeah. That started yeah, last right. year. Remember, we had that, that transition period, and he finally is uh, the guy at Guidestone now. 
That's right. So, I mean, we see this every year. There are always some big changes in either like elections or in sort of top, you know, state exec or entity head. And sometimes you wonder like, well, we have a year where everybody stays the same. No, No. we don't. So, yeah, we've had some pretty significant leadership changes. Uh, Number four was the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And that continues to be a big story. Obviously, as we're recording this today, um, we're, we're recording this on Thursday the 22nd. And uh, this just last night, you know, the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, addressed a joint session of Congress. So this is something that we're all talking about. But obviously, as we mentioned before, uh, Southern Baptists and um, the desire to help with disaster relief in particular, this has been a huge, a huge story for us of just ways to help. I remember uh, our director of sending saying to me, this is this is not this is a months long maybe years long crisis like we're moving into a massive humanitarian crisis not just a sort of military thing yeah he told me that he said commented on that when it happened and that's um that's where we are and i think also we didn't mention this above but the ukrainian baptist theological seminary uh, has you know been doing a lot of work and has updated southern baptist as well so this is a big story for us uh number three the department of justice investigation of the sbc that was a surprise story too yeah um, something we I haven't mentioned say. yeah i forgot about that that should have been in the surprise stories yeah right yeah so obviously we just sit and uh wait for that to play out and uh, we cooperate, but it is uh, definitely a big story. Uh, number two, the overturn of Roe v. Wade, as we talked about earlier, obviously a, a massive story. And then number one, which we expected, I think, if you had said, what's the biggest story going to be? It's the Guidepost Solutions Report and Southern Baptist Response. You know, one thing that was so interesting about that is I'd usually tell people when we have these crises throughout the year, especially when something's happening, you know, in the fall or even in the early spring, I will say to people, it's impossible to anticipate what will be the major thing at the convention, what will be the major issue, because you can think it's one thing in January and then by May, everyone has moved on because something has taken its place. And so sometimes you, you just have no idea. Uh, But what was interesting about this past year is because the report had been asked for by the messengers and it was supposed to be uh, presented like, you know, right before the convention in Anaheim, you just kind of sat watching all year knowing that no matter what crisis happens throughout, um, that we know what's going to be the major issue at the convention. And it was, you know, we know what will be the thing at the annual meeting because we know that report will drop. We just don't know what it's going to say. And so that most definitely was uh, the the biggest story. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So, all right, that's our 10 biggest stories of the year. And that brings me to my favorite part of the week. And well, this week. Of the year. Of the year. (laughs) Your favorite part. I don't know if it's my favorite part of the year, Amy. There's a lot of other things in the year. But it's your favorite part of this this episode. episode. That's why I said this week. And that is your 10 most fascinating people. Amy, give it to us. All right. So just a little bit of review on this. For those who've never heard it before, it's kind of new or those who have but have forgotten the way this works. I I patterned this off of 
have uh, a special that Barbara Walters used to do every year of uh, her 10 most fascinating people. You're the SBC's Barbara Walters, just to Okay, thank you. Reiterate. And the, the, the rules were always that they had to be living people. And they weren't, it wasn't necessarily like person of the year or hero of the year. And it was, it was just people that were interesting, like people that in this moment are fascinating and interesting for various reasons. And the other thing that she would do is she, it was a very diverse list always that she would have people from uh, the sports world, from the entertainment world, from the leadership world, you know, whatever. So I try to do the same. I try to find people in different areas and do a mix of people we all know, and then maybe introduce you to someone you don't know. All right. So here comes the first one. And uh, this was, I will say, this was suggested to us, to me online, but I agreed with it. It is Evan McPherson. Do you remember who that is, Jonathan? That's the kicker for Cincinnati. That's right. That's right. Broke the hearts of the Titans in January. <laughs> yeah. Thanks yeah. for bringing that up, Amy. So, yeah. So Cincinnati Bengals had been a lifelong soccer player. And then when he was in high school, he had uh, he had brought a state championship um, he was at like amazing. He brought a state championship to his high school, um, but they, but really his sort of space on the football field was where he became known and is just this incredible kicker. So he had a, a 52 yard field goal with the Bengals against the Titans, which is what sent the Bengals to yeah. the AFC championship yeah. game. So mm -hmm. really big deal. So Evan McPherson is the son of LaDon and Amber McPherson. And he uh, was super involved in his youth group at First Baptist Church, Fort Payne, yeah. Alabama. There's a, a, a picture of him in this BP story that was done uh, from his youth choir trip. Yeah, youth choir uh, at First Baptist, Fort Payne. Like, yeah. It doesn't get more yeah. Southern Baptist than that. Yeah. So really, really big deal and uh, pretty amazing. The 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 BP story, it was a big story yeah. for BP that, that Scott Barkley did. So we'll, uh, we, we put all the links in the show notes to these things. Uh, but Pearson definitely is a fascinating, fascinating Southern Baptist. All right. Number two. And by the way, these are not really in any certain order. I mean, some years I kind of really will, if, if it's uh, last year, Susie Hawkins, she was kind of, you know, number one, but these are not in, these are not ranked in any certain order. They're just a list. Wes Fowler. Oh, yeah. First Baptist Mayfield, Kentucky. Yes. So Wes Fowler was someone who probably would prefer not to be known, but he is. He uh, was the pastor of First Baptist Church of Mayfield. And if you remember, Mayfield, Kentucky got hit just, just a little over a year ago with a horrendous uh, tornado. December 10th, um, 2021, just I like, like things we've never seen. And I, I have been to Mayfield for a wedding once. And, uh, I remember it was the, the sweetest little downtown. Um, they, there were 1300 homes and businesses that was, that were severely damaged or completely destroyed. It was like a 90 minute span and it yeah. just basically destroyed the town. Yeah, killed 80 people. Yeah. Well, in the days after that, Wes Fowler, he, uh, was a, is a student at, at Southern Seminary, a PhD student, he did, you know, he pastored, he helped his church, he helped his community, but they also became sort of the place 
where they he was a person that was communicating on to media outlets. He was um, talking in New York Times. Anderson Cooper interviewed him on CNN, and uh, basically, he has spent his year on this now. I mean, yeah. can you imagine? You have all these thoughts about what is ahead, and then in in ninety minutes, it just changes yeah. the trajectory uh, for yeah. for everything. Yeah, twenty twenty two has been a year of like recovery for the entire city That's of Mayfield. Right. And he's been one of the leaders of it at First Baptist. That's right. And so when disaster relief teams have come from all over the country, you know, he's really is a, a one who coordinates all of that. And so there's a great story uh, just in terms of being a connection point. Um, so there's a great story at BP that's a one year later. And then also a uh, story that was done at Southern Seminary about him. He was a kind of got a distinguished alumni award. And so talking about the impact that he has made on that community. So uh, definitely check those out. All right. So he's number two. Uh, Okay. Next up, I'm going to say a name and see if you know who it is. Jeff Farmer. Ring a bell? No. Okay. Jeff Farmer is an evangelism professor at New Orleans Seminary. Well, now you can make me look bad. I don't know the guy at New Orleans. Thanks, Amy. Sorry. Sorry. And it's and I got this from BP. So thanks for reading, Jonathan. <laughs> so Jeff Farmer is an evangelism professor at New Orleans Seminary, and he is the associate director of the Caskey Center there. All right. So here's the deal. He did. Uh, there was a story that um, Marilyn Stewart down there at New Orleans, she wrote up and it got my attention. I thought it was really cool. He did it. He took his sabbatical this year and for his sabbatical, he is researching. He's been researching growing churches. Uh, so going to 46 different states to research churches that are growing to help to, to kind of help develop resources for the Caskey Center to help churches that share similar contexts to, to connect with each other and encourage church growth. But here's what he is doing. 46 states, 16,400 miles, all on his motorcycle. Oh, I don't remember this story. Uh, he's calling Gosh. it a motorcycle sabbatical. And so... He had originally planned to spend most nights camping out or staying in churches, and then he changed and has been doing something else. He's been, um, he, he, the story was all about, there's a website where bikers or bike enthusiasts will open their homes to other bikers and you can book through a website and he, uh, it's called, it's called bunk a biker. And so he's been staying, um, He's been staying in the uh, in all these places. So the story is really great because it talks about, you know, they they strongly discourage discussing politics or religion with the hosts of the homes he stays in. But when they ask, why are you traveling? He kind of has to has to tell. So he's just, you know, carefully. And the conversations about faith would just come up naturally. So he just uh, would would try to handle that well and um, speak. Uh, speak about his faith as it comes up, but it took him everywhere. So this is a great, great story all about this Um, everywhere. He's gone all over the country. And so really, really cool uh, thing. And at every stop, he invited pastors to come to the SBC annual meeting and, um, and doing just incredible work. Uh, So Jeff out there doing the Lord's work. That's awesome. Yeah. So when I read that, I was like, this guy is, 
definitely fascinating motorcycle sabbatical. And I got to tell you, they, when professors in the seminaries take a sabbatical, they have to come back and give a sabbatical report to the trustees. That one is going to be great. Yes. So uh, very interesting and different. Most of the time it's like, I worked on this book during my sabbatical, but this is a really cool one. And it's okay to work on a book during your sabbatical. Because we talked 100%. about yes, it's, Adam Harwood. We yes, hundred percent. Fantastic! It's, it's a not great a competition. thing. I'm just talk. I'm just talking about the report itself. That most yeah. of them are going to be very similar. This one is going to be different. All right, very. next one up. Most fascinating Southern Baptist. One of the one of ten. If you have met him, you know this. He is just a fascinating individual, and that's Mike Keebone. All right. Oh, that was a yes. Jonathan Howard nominee there. Yeah, you did nominate him. And, uh, but I totally agree. So the first time I ever heard of Mike Keebone was when he came and, um, preached at Southeastern chapel a few years back. Uh, but I really didn't know anything else about him. You know, just, he was a pastor an Oklahoma pastor. Uh, my goodness, he is, he serves in, uh, lots of different capacities on task forces, committees. He's on the executive committee. Um, but he was on the resolutions committee this year and his story, we already talked about it. Uh, you mentioned it before, uh, the story of him kind of bringing the resolution on, um, religious liberty, forced conversion and the federal Indian boarding school initiative investigative report. It's incredible. And, um, actually what I want is, you know, we, we need to have, there are a few, several stories that have been done on Mike Keybone. He has a heritage from Comanche, Kiowa, and Cherokee tribes, but it's been incredible sort of how he has brought his perspective and, and the things that he knows, even what he knew and understood about the importance of that report and why it was important for us to speak about it because terrible things were done in these boarding schools in the name of missions. And while that investigative report did not include Southern Baptists, we weren't part of that. It was important because of our love for missions for us to speak to it. So he's done some incredible stuff um, on, there was a road road to healing tour sponsored by the U S department of the interior. And he went to it and read the resolution from the platform. Um, Pretty incredible uh, experience. So I think Mike Keebone is a fascinating, Southern Baptist, uh, just in uh, the way he uh, has advocated in uh, the way he has advocated for that. Also, the way he has just jumped in to participate uh, at the convention level, wants to cooperate, wants to to make our system better. And um, so I think he's fascinating. Plus, he's just a fascinating guy to be around. I love Mike Keebon. All right. Next up, I'm going to try to go. Um, I'm going to try to go faster here. Daniel Ritchie. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Graduate of uh, Southeastern, graduate of the college at Southeastern and um, an evangelist, a pretty amazing, amazing guy. So I thought of him because he that's right. He did. So he's pretty amazing. His story is uh, essentially he was born without arms and he talks about how he lived a life of frustration with God. He was bullied and ostracized uh, as a child and teenager. And then there was a youth pastor that came into his life explaining how um, God created and loved him and even uh, purposed his situation for God's glory and and mission. And so he was con- converted. He became a believer at 15 years old, pursued a call to ministry when he was 16, uh, went to the college at Southeastern. And now he goes all over the place and speaks and he's incredible. 
He really is He's an incredible, uh, gifted speaker. He also has these amazing things that he'll show and demonstrate all that he's able to do. My favorite one is the video that he put on social media of changing a tire. That was crazy. Feet. That was insane. Like, it's unbelievable because that's, I mean, that's what happens. You know, he could, you know, he d- didn't have arms. So you got to do something to be able to, to do things. And he can do all this stuff with his feet. But the changing attire, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, but I think I, I think Daniel Ritchie is just wonderful. Uh, we we know their family. We respect him and his ministry so much. And uh, I just that's think he's a fascinating person. All right. So next up, uh, sorry, uh, privilege here. I, I did another uh, person connected to Southeastern, but I do think he's fascinating, and it's been a big year for him. And that is William Branch, also known as Deuce Branch, also known as the Ambassador. And uh, there was a big story on him earlier this year. He got the Kingdom Legend Award. So this is my, I like to have a musician in here somewhere. Kingdom Legend Award by the Kingdom Choice Awards. And uh, because he essentially was one of the most influential, uh, is one of the most influential Christian hip hop artists of all time and did a whole lot that really started uh, the movement of Christian hip hop. So pretty incredible. So uh, he released an album in October, but he is just an all around great person and has a a great family. His wife, Missy, uh, is uh, chairman of the board at Lifeway. And uh, so I just think he's a he's a cool guy. Very, very fascinating, especially with the legacy that he has in the music industry. Yeah. So very cool. Deuce Branch. Okay, four more friend to you and me. I had to put him on this list because I just love and admire him so much is uh, Don Current. Oh, yeah. Which this should be. I mean, I made this. I, I made his nomination speech this year. Yeah, I know. I have to include him. I think he is um, incredible. And he's so great because he is an incredible registration secretary. He serves in all these ways, serves Southern Baptist, serves on uh, serves on staff at his church as an administrative pastor. He also has like all these records and weightlifting. Like he's just, he, there's so much to Don. And when you're around him, he's one of the greatest people to be around. Like I just love spending time with him and people. I mean, he, he got quite a fan base. I like to think it was my speech that put that over the top. But I could see it. Like people responded when he was on stage. There were some great tweets about him. There's great little interaction between him and Ed Litton. Uh, they they worked well together up there on stage. It, it was a lot of fun. And he's become a presence that everyone wants. I mean, he's just a real bright spot in our annual meeting every year. So I had to put Don Currents on there. Yep. Well-deserved. Okay. Next up, we got three left. Victor Chiasarizabal. <laughs> all right. First of all, we always have to put, I mean, Victor's got to be in here somewhere because it, it allows us to show what a great job we can do at saying his name. You just name. like saying his name. You're just, just showing off now. That's right. But also, I think he is fascinating. He has so he has so many interests. What He's like super interested in pro wrestling. Is that correct? That is if correct. I, that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. So he has all these fascinating interests. Um, He uses his interests and hobbies to connect with other people. I think interests in like Star Wars and, you know, other things like that. And uh, he was so great at welcoming everyone to Anaheim this year. Uh, He has just thrown himself into opportunities for cooperation as a, as a 
a Southern Baptist and as a California Baptist. And so I think he's, I think he's just super cool. He is the uh, first vice president of the convention and just a great guy. So Victor. All right. Last two. Uh, one is a, a name that may not be recognized, but should be uh, Hannah Daniel. Yes. I know this one. Hannah Daniel is the policy manager for the Washington, D.C. office no, of the ERLC. She is the Washington, D.C. office for the ERLC. Correct. That's what I was about to get to. She holds the fort down in Washington, D.C., and she has been doing an incredible job of just stepping in and covering so many things that are going on. When Supreme Court rulings are happening, she's there. She's down there at the steps. There was one uh, just a, a few weeks ago that she she was there. She was, uh, I think, doing you know doing things with uh, Senator Langford's team, and then went and then and then, as I understand it, she's there when rulings are coming, and then she went back to the office. Uh, kind of got her head around the ruling and then came back to the steps of the Supreme Court to do a video that explained what happened for Southern Baptist. She coordinates meetings. She just all their work that they do there in D.C. Hannah Daniel, um, she is uh, she she is taking care of all of that. When Brent Leatherwood goes and and meets with people, you know, Hannah's the one that's like on the ground there doing doing the work to. Uh, to really bridge that. Um, so she she graduated with a degree in economics from Union University and she's um, she's kind of a rock star because she is like uh, not that long out of college, but just a, a, a real incredibly talented person. And so I've only been around her a little bit. I don't know her that well. I cannot wait to get to know her more in uh, in coming years. So she lives there in Washington, D.C. and um, is a member of King's Church there. And I just thought, man, we need to make sure that people know who she is and that when they see her doing the videos or, or things like that, uh, that it is well worth paying attention. All, All right, right. Last one. Last one. It's my last chance to be on this list. Uh, it's not you. Oh, it, another year. It is Itamar Elizalde. Sure. She is the ministry coordinator for Send Relief Puerto Rico. Oh. And I put her on there because I met her this fall. That's when awesome. I got to go down there and we toured the Send Relief um, Ministry Center. And she's incredible. Yeah, it was Send Relief um, Day on the really podcast is. that day. You were in Puerto Rico. Yeah. I was at the one in, in Chicago. That's we're right. both like, this is weird. She was incredible. So the the group I was with down there, the, our team from from summit that was down there doing some things. Um, she gave us a tour of the whole place. Um, I love just hearing about her. So she was born in Puerto Rico. She was raised in Worcester, Massachusetts, where her parents had moved from Puerto Rico uh, to Massachusetts to plant a Spanish speaking church up there. Oh, that's great. So um, then she, uh, she went to university of Massachusetts at Lowell and she was discipled by her campus pastor. She got uh, kind of had a heart for, missions. Um, and then she went on to get a master's degree in criminal justice and criminology from Florida state wow. worked in her field, worked in her field for a little while. And then she responded to a call to do collegiate ministry in new England. And then she went back to Puerto Rico, um, to serve with sin relief. Man, so she story. manages all the, yeah. So she oversees the operations at the ministry center. She manages local volunteers who come and, um, she was, you know, the story that, uh, 
that when they did the grand opening recently in, in November, you can see her in there. She was, uh, she was translating for uh, Bryant Wright as, as he was down there. And uh, she's just, she's just incredible. I was so impressed. I loved meeting her. I hope I get to, to meet her again. And I thought uh, this is somebody that our listeners should know. That's great. So, yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, good mix, Amy. Well done. Thanks. Other than like leaving me off the list again. It's all right. Keith didn't make the list either, so I feel okay. If he didn't make the list and I didn't make the list, I mean, I'll... He did not. Okay. All right. Hey, but if we're talking about our families, let me tell you about one fascinating person in my house. It's big news. Oh, yeah. Big news. Big news. Wake Forest High School, upcoming production of The Sound of Music, Captain Von Trapp in the Whitfield house. We are pumped around here. So congrats, Drew. Yeah. So that's my bonus. uh, Most fascinating Southern Baptist, Drew Whitfield. Hey, state uh, champ got a or big, whatever, a regional champ. I don't know what, a district champ, something like that. So, yeah. In, in yes. his uh, play or whatever. Uh, in the one and, act. Yeah, yeah, one act, one act. But but I got to tell you that we were excited when they won the regional. Um, but this is uh, for the one act play. But Captain Von Trapp, that's a pretty big deal. So I just, wanna, I just imagine him walking around the house, practicing the whistles for hours on end. You know, for the different kids. Each kid had a different whistle or whatever. That's right. That's and, right. And you yeah. just, just wanting to strangle him. Because that seems like something a teenage boy would do is just walk around the house practicing whistles and the dog's going bananas. It's like when a child gets a recorder. Yeah, yeah, that the, exactly. For the first time. It's the high school version, yeah. the high school yeah. drama version of a kid getting a recorder. That's right. All right, so that was the that was my bonus there for the uh, celebration in the Whitfield house. Yeah, so very cool. But, All right, Amy, last thing. It's our resource of the year. Had some nominees. Yes. We, we had some books this year that were really good. We had some podcasts that were, were new and they were really good. But our resource of the year is the Acts 2 Network app. Yes. John Graham and our friends over at the Georgia Baptist Convention, they've created the Acts 2 Network, and it has become the streaming home of all Southern Baptist video, basically. You've got the annual meeting. You've got state annual meetings. You've got uh, the EC meetings that are streamed there. Anything that can be streamed, he's streaming local church Christmas productions. He'll do local church Easter productions in 2023. He's trying to find as much content as he can. 2023 should be a big year for them because they're planning on going to a fully like live streaming channel. So they'll have a channel. So right now it's all like on demand. So you can do that. But you know, they'll have special events that'll be live streamed. But next year, the plan is to bump that up to have a full channel that's streaming all the time. That'll include Southern Baptist content, as well as just regular other content. So maybe church services, uh, TV shows, things that he can get licensed and play in their movies, different things like that. So a full 24-7, basically Southern Baptist TV station. So think like Axe Network, what that would be in the modern era. John Graham and our friends at the Georgia Baptist Convention have built that with the Axe 2 Network app. So it is the exclusive home now of the SBC annual meetings, the EC meetings, all that, you can watch it. If you're streaming it, you're going to be watching it on there. So pretty exciting stuff. John has been a yeah. great partner this year. Uh, and we've only been working together for about eight or nine months. And he's been fantastic to work with and get the uh, the content over to. So congrats to John and his team, the Axe 2 Network app, our resource of the year. There you go. All right. Well, Amy, that is going to do it for our 2022 episodes. We'll be back next week with a look ahead to 2023 and our questions. We got to write those, Amy. So <laughs> we haven't done yeah, that we yet. Do. We got to look at those and, and figure out what we're going to ask. So if you have suggestions for questions for 2023, send them over. 
and uh, we'll take a look at those. Uh, but Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>